Hello, welcome to Prince Drive by Tracking, my host Darren, and today we'll be talking about Sugar Walls from A Private Heaven by Sheena Easton, um, written by uh, Alexander Nevermind, whoever that fella is, <laughs> uh, recorded on the 20th of January 1984 at Sunset Sound, and then uh, again with some overdubs on the 22nd of January 1984 at the Music Factory. Um, I'm not quite sure why they couldn't go back to Sunset Sound, but uh, there you go. Uh, and released on the 7th of September, 1984. Um, on the track, it is Prince and Sheena Easton. Although I have a feeling there are like a bunch of other people that are credited. Um, but it is just Prince and Sheena Easton. <laughs> uh, the track is 4 minutes and 9 seconds. And joining me to talk about today is Victor Azevedo. Hello, Victor. Hey, Darren. Uh, now, for in terms of like a genre, uh, this is uh, Prince... Um, I don't know. <laughs> like... <laughs> Um, apparently he had kind of written the song and he'd done the basic tracking at Sunset Sound and originally he was going to give the song to Jill Jones. Mm. Um, but then he'd seen Sheena Easton perform on Johnny Carson and so he sent the track to her and she recorded her vocals on the kind of the basic tracking. Um, you know, on, on Sheena Easton's album, there's about, I don't know, like 10 other people that are listed, mm. you know, on every single track. Um, and they kind of get a credit here, but none of them were on the actual track other than Prince. Mm. Um, you know, and again, the production is credited to uh, Greg Matheson, who produced the album. Uh, but it is Prince that produced the song. <laughs> um, so it basically it was just all Prince. Um, like there's literally like literally it's just Prince pretending to be somebody else um, as he you know as he had a tendency to do. Mm -hmm. Um, yes. And of course, this song—I don't know—I guess it gained a little bit of like notoriety due to the fact that um, you know it, it ended up on the uh, Parents Music Resource Center list, which was called the Fifth Filthy Fifteen mm -hmm. um, in 1985. Uh, obviously, Prince's darling Nikki also ended up on uh, on that particular track, mm -hmm. um, and Vanity also had a song on there. So, out of 15 songs, uh, Prince had three of them. <laughs> So he was solely responsible for, uh, you know, twenty percent of the fifty filthy fifteen, which I, you know, I don't think people give him enough credit for that. I mean, you know, there was stuff like Merciful Fate and Wasp and Def Leppard and Venom, but you know, like there was obviously a bit of a kind of panic about you know heavy metal anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and like ACDC, Motley Crue, Twisted Sister, basically anybody with gigantic teased hair, mm -hmm. um, you know, was on that list. Um, and also, I mean, obviously, Cindy, Cindy Lauper and Madonna also managed to kind of get on there as well. Uh, but, you know, it was it was Prince. Prince is, the, you know, the one who mm. got the most amount of tracks on that list. Um, yeah. So, you know, he's uh, he's mostly I mean, also, of course, the fact that uh, Darling Nikki was one of the songs that led to, mm. um, you know, the whole thing happening. You know, you can't you can't disagree with the fact that uh, Prince was just a huge in like influence on the whole parents uh, music resource center thing. Of course, famously headed by Al Gore's wife Tipper, mm -hmm. which I gotta say is a bit of a silly name. Yes, uh, not not her real name. Her real name's Mary, but for some reason she went by Tipper. Which, is, uh, like, I don't know if you've got a choice between going by Mary or going by Tipper, go by Mary. Don't go by Tipper. Like, oh. what kind what kind of name is that? Oh, maybe um, she just maybe she just tried to line things up. Maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe she was one of those people like you know would. Just stand there and just dozy along, and people just try to tip her over. Maybe that was just a weird nickname for that Maybe. kind of thing. I yeah, 
Maybe she slept with her eyes open, something like Possibly. that. Possibly, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Sheena Easton, she was uh, Scottish. If you've ever heard Sheena Easton talk, like when she isn't singing, she sings, she sings, she does that thing that I think some people in the British music press hate, which is she sings with, uh, you know, a, a kind of mid Midwestern accent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she kind of sings with an American accent. But when you hear her talk, she is, you know, as Scottish as the day is long. Like, it's mm. ridiculous how Scottish she is. Um, and she found her fame with, um, well, I mean, I, I guess what everyone knows as uh, either you can either call it nine to five or morning train. But uh, mm. apparently it was called morning train to avoid confusion with Dolly Parton's mm. nine to five, uh, which yeah. came out around the same time. So I, I guess people kind of realized that most people work those those time schedules. And so they started writing songs about them at roughly the same time. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Sheena Easton's track actually came out in 1980, and uh, you know Dolly Parton's didn't actually come out until 1981. So she got there first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, uh, you know, she had she had a song when she was, you know, her kind of debut single, which was called Modern Girl, uh, which did okay, like not a gigantic hit. You know, it managed it managed to do okay in the Billboard Hot 100, got to number 18. I ha- I would actually hazard a guess and say that that performed better than any Prince single released. <laughs> Prior to 1982, like uh, if you were to if you were to kind of guess in 1983 who you would say was you know like the hit maker between Sheena Easton and Prince based solely on their performance in the Billboard you know top 100, yeah. Sheena Easton was ahead of Prince quite easily in mm-hmm. uh, in that time. But um, you know over here it got to number eight, uh, which is you know about as successful as it was. But you know it got to it, it kind of got into the you know the low teens in pretty much every chart that it charted on, mm-hmm. um, and it was the 95th best selling single in 1981 in America Modern Girl was um, and then you know Morning Train was a gigantic hit yep. um, you know the fact that it's appeared on pretty much every single kind of like Sheena Easton greatest hits since um, kind of shows how big it was um, Sheena Easton also went to the trouble and this is this is something that I was not completely aware of of recording a Spanish version of the song <laughs> and she had a entire an entire like Spanish version um, like an, a Spanish album that where or she basically re-recorded her hits in Spanish um, so that they could get released, uh, which I just I find like kind of kind of you know kind of crazy that that she was doing that. But uh, I you know it makes sense you know like uh, I, I mean uh, the funny thing is I remember years later Christina Aguilera did this. Uh, where she did like an entire album in Spanish, but mm. Christina Aguilera, despite her, her her name, cannot speak a word of Spanish, huh. and so she was basically singing the songs phonetically. <laughs> um, so I don't know if Sheena Easton spoke Spanish as a second language, but you know she she recorded a whole bunch of Spanish cover versions of her own songs. Um, you know, as a way to, um, you know, kind of to you know kind of break, I guess, some other charts. Um, you know, and. It did, you know, it did huge, you know, like uh, 9 to 5 was just a gigantic hit, um, you know, got to number one in the, the Billboard Hot 100. Over here, the charts are a little harder, so she only got to number three. Uh, during the 80s, the single charts were particularly difficult to kind of get number one hits out of. So, uh, but number one all over the place, Australia, yeah. um, you know, New Zealand, um, you know, at the end of the, you know, 19, uh, 1980, it was the ninth best selling single um, in this country. So mm. a huge hit. And yeah. kind of established her career um, from that point on. Uh, yeah. Also worth saying as well that John Peel uh, had a, a box where he kept his favourite singles. And, um, you know, this this was one of his favourite 142 singles. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, okay. So, 
Yeah, he had two copies of it. So, you know, he was clearly... A, I mean, people think of John Peel as being, like, someone who, you know, kind of, uh, you know, only liked, you know, like, kind of, uh, you know, indie rock and kind of obscure bands and stuff. But, nope, he loved he loved Sheena Easton's 9 to 5. Um, you know, so uh, apparently there were other kind of people who covered it in different languages as well. There was, like, a French cover. Um, there was, uh, you know, there's, there's been, like, a, there was even, like, a, a, a Swedish cover. Um, which was called um, Han. <laughs> love this title, Han Penlavagedag, which means he commutes every day. And I just, can't, <laughs> I mean, I, I love, I love that. That is, li- I mean, that is literally a rewriting of the first lyric of the the line, which is, you know, my baby takes the morning train. It's like he commutes every day. Yeah. Uh, there's just something like very kind of like uh, very kind of like Swedish about that whole thing. Mm. Uh, I just kind of, I just kind of love that. But yeah, so. You know, Sheena Easton. She, I mean, I, I guess you would say, you know, she, she did, uh, she did, like I said, she did this, this kind of Spanish um, album uh, just before she, she released, uh, you know, she released uh, the, the album that uh, this song is on. Um, you know, she, she had done, of course, uh, you know, in between that, she had managed to get herself, uh, you know, as a, doing a Bond theme. Um, mm-hmm. So she did, uh, you know, uh, for your eyes only, I think, was it? Uh, yeah, that is. That yeah, the, that's yeah? the one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so which you know was nominated for a Golden Globe, um, you know, and she got a Grammy for Best New Artist of 1981. Like mm-hmm. basically, um, you know, if you look at the start of her career, um, she, you know, I, I, I think it's funny because these days people can, I mean, you know, this is no judgment on modern artists because obviously, you know, single sales and album sales have you know bottomed out basically. Mm-hmm. But there are people who basically sell like twenty thousand copies of a single, and you know, get to number one, uh, and basically. You know, by by the standards of the eighties, they would have no career. But yeah. you know, these days they're like gigantic stars, even though they only have like five singles and none of them have gone higher than fifty in the charts. Yeah. Whereas if you look at the career of Sheena Easton, you know, she started out big. You know, she had a number of hits. She had a Bond theme. Um, you know, her first her first few albums were all kind of you know very big kind of successes. Mm. Um, but then by the time she got to around you know the end of nineteen eighty two, um. Well, first of all, she recorded "Wing Beneath My Wings." Uh, sorry, Ooh. "Wind Beneath My Wings," which was covered by Bette Midler. We oh. made it into a hit. Yes, I know. So she was there first, uh, but then you know she, her career was kind of—I don't know—I wouldn't say like you know falling apart or anything, but she was on a little bit of a downslide in 1983. Um, you know, her career was not a, you know, as successful as it had been, um, and then she recorded uh, well after the Spanish album. Um, she then, of course, uh, recorded A Private Heaven. Mm. And, uh, you know, Prince, I'm guessing, you know, like, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know what the full relationship between Prince and Sheena Easton was. You know, obviously, if you watch the video for You Got the Look, there is a certain kind of chemistry between the two of them. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, she, she worked again with Prince on The Arms of Orion, one of the very few times where Prince was credited with another person. Um, you know, like, You Got the Look is Prince and Sheena Easton. Like, she actually yeah. gets to share a credit with him. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, I, I guess, I, I don't know, I guess Prince just enjoyed her voice. And, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I would have I would love to have seen some footage of like Sheena Easton talking with her natural Scottish brogue <laughs> and Prince kind of I get you know, maybe getting every third word like it. it it's just it's just quite funny. Mm. Uh, but yeah, A Private Heaven was released on the 7th of September 1984. Um, and, you know, it was fairly successful. You know, it, it got, you know, up to 15 in the Billboard Top 200 and it was there for 35 weeks. 
Um, you know, it's certified gold after uh, after like a month, and it was certified platinum by the following year. So you know, um, it, 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 there were five singles from the album. Mm-hmm. So you know, obviously they kind of milked it a little bit. Yes. Um, but uh, you know, Sugar Walls was you know easily the most controversial of the singles. Yeah. Uh, Released in December 1984, and uh, as as was the the tradition at the time, you know there was a a dance remix that went on for seven minutes, mm. and there was a there was another remix called the Red Mix, which went on for five minutes twenty six. Um, it got to number nine on the Billboard Hot 100, and it was number three on the Billboard Black Chart, which Ooh. I you know speaks <laughs> speaks <laughs> for kind of the crossover potential here. Um, and then it managed to get to number one on the uh, the dance disco chart. Um, which, you know, that was the the third time that Prince had had a number one on the the dance disco chart, which he hadn't recorded because Nasty Girl and the Glamorous Life also got to number one. Yeah. Um, And then there was also a Mexican version of the single, which was called uh, Muros de Acazar. Uh, which was uh, which is basically the exact same track, but just with a you know a different uh, a different title. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I like. I mean, I like that this is the genesis of like you know um, Alexander Nevermind, and mm. you know like again Prince kind of debuting a new kind of uh, pseudonym to produce a, a song for somebody else. Yeah. Um, something he seemed to do for mostly women, like whenever he recorded stuff for you know for his proteges. Um, they tended to be women, like you know, he, he was Jamie Star for you know Vanity Six and Apollonia Six, mm. and uh, you know obviously he was also Christopher for uh, for Manic Monday. So this mm. just seemed to be a thing where he he adopted these pseudonyms for anything that he recorded for uh, for kind of female vocalists. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I, don't, I, I like, I mean, I remember here. It took me. You know, it's not like I remember this song being released in 1984. You know, I wasn't really fully aware of Sheena Easton until like you got the look, and then I was, you know, even then I wasn't like a huge Prince fan in in nineteen eighty seven. But I do remember, uh, I do remember hearing that song and thinking that uh, it sounded fairly similar to you know that Roxette song that also has the word "look" in the title. Ah oh, yes. Um, and then when Roxette kind of released that, I was like, well, this seems like they're stealing this from somewhere. Like it sounded familiar. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, this song has been on no fewer than like I don't know five different greatest hits compilations by <laughs> Sheena Easton. Um, so it's not the thing is as well. It's not like Sheena Easton was like kind of shy about this track. Like you know, she she kind of obviously knew what the connotations were within the song, mm. and uh, you know, there's even a few quotes where she says, you know, when she worked with Prince, they they you know they always had a good time and they were always like laughing and mm. joking around. So I I don't know. I I find. I find all that quite interesting because to me, like the idea of Prince working with this like <laughs> Scottish, like kind of, I, I don't know, at the time, like kind of she would have been like 22, 23. Like I, it just, it's just really weird to me that kind of, to kind of think of Prince working with Sheena Easton. Yeah. Um, you know, they just seem kind of at opposite ends of like, you know, it, I don't know. It just, it just seems kind of weird. You know, it took me a few years before I actually heard this song. There was actually like a, a Prince kind of compilation thing that someone had done, like a CD that came out where you had a bunch of songs that Prince had written for other artists or other artists had recorded, you know, um, of Prince. Didn't include Kiss by Tom Jones, fortunately. Mm. Um, but Sugar Walls was on there. And that was like the first time that I'd heard Sugar Walls. And, mm. you know, obviously I kind of knew about the controversy with it. Um, and then, you know, when I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah, this sounds like, you know, it sounds like an 80s Prince song yeah. with Sheena Easton singing over the top. You know, like, that's the kind of the thing. And, you know, I, I don't know, like, 
in terms of like a genre, it just it feels like it just feels like something that kind of would have been like a Jill Jones or like a Vanity song. Yeah, that just kind of ended up. You know, it just happens that Prince saw Sheena Easton and decided she would sing it instead. Yeah, because it was one of those things. Because I, I, this is the thing. I only know the song by reputation. Because look, I was what twelve when this came out, twelve or thirteen when this came out. So I knew it by reputation, but. I knew the Sheena Easton when she was releasing Morning Train back in the 80s because that, like, I looked it up. It's like it was number one in Australia and it was probably number one in Australia for weeks because that's what tended to happen back then. You basically have a song and it'd be number one for, like, five weeks. It's not like now where it's like, you know, now songs like, you know, hit for one week and then it disappears down the charts. So after, like, hearing that there's this song was around and how... The lyrics, <laughs> which I assume we're going to get to soon, but just the lyrics and just thinking of this this very innocent-looking woman from that Morning yeah. Train song is the woman that's talking about heat rising in my sugar walls. And it's like, oh, it's just weird. But, yeah, it kind of makes sense because then I don't think – and then the Chinese and coming back in 87, it was like in, for um, You Got the Look, it totally made sense. But – I don't think I ever heard this song until much, much later. Probably until, until probably lot, lot, lot later. Because I don't think they never. There's no way any Australian radio station would have played it back in the 80s. No chance. Like, Australian radio was pretty conservative. And even then, I wouldn't think even a like a more um, indie station would have played like this song. Especially a funk, like a kind of dancey, funky kind of song, if you want to think about it. So it's just, yeah, it's just. Ah, oh, this song's just weird. <laughs> it's got probably the most. I'm, I'm trying to figure out if this is the most most unsubtle Prince song ever. But there's probably worse than this. There's probably more or less subtle than this. But I'm I don't know. Sure. He, he wrote. He wrote. He wrote a song called Vibrator. So I feel yeah. like that's yeah. you know more obvious than this. Um, yeah. So I. I mean. Uh, I think I think that like everyone should really go and watch the uh, the music video as well because it features uh, Sheen Reeston in what appears to be like a a kind of bright yellow jumpsuit along with yellow plastic kind of earrings. It's mm. it's it's li- it, like it's literally the like the most kind of eighties outfit. I'm almost certain that mm. my own mother wore those type of jumpsuits. Um, <laughs> I don't know that she would ever wear bright yellow, but certainly those type of jumpsuits and those types of earrings in the eighties, like um, it, it is like such a kind of classically uh, you know eighties look. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, the, there's like there's kind of you know. Uh, a lot of gyrating going on from Sheena Easton. Um, you know, she has one of those kind of like belts that's kind of, it, I don't know, it doesn't seem to serve a purpose as a belt. It is yep. literally just like kind of an accessory that goes around the waist. Um, but yeah, I mean, the earrings are great because they kind of, there is, they, they, they kind of hang so low that they're below her chin level. Mm. So when she's moving her head, they kind of like, they, they kind of go down the side of her head. It, it, it's a really weird effect. Um, <laughs> her hair is not as big as I would have thought for the, you know, for most kind of uh, most women in the 80s like it's actually fairly kind of small hair um in terms of you know what's going on but yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of her kind of gyrating and when she's talking about her sugar walls kind of like there's she looks at the camera and kind of almost I, she's one step away from just winking at the camera as if to say <laughs> you know what we're talking about here you know and it's worth saying as well she has uh, kind of like a pink gloss on her lips and again that is like literally like the most 80s kind of like lipstick uh, that is that is possible. Um, she also has some very nice contouring on her cheeks uh, that kind of really make her cheekbones stand out. 
but yeah, so like the video, the video is the video as well has been uploaded by the Sheena Easton channel, Sheena Easton channel on YouTube's. <laughs> so yeah. it's not like this is just like you can find it on, if you just search for Sheena Easton, you can find all her videos that is on there. Mm. Um, but yeah, so let's get into you know the subject of the song, which is basically Sheena Easton's vagina. That is yeah. um, pretty much that is what they're <laughs> singing about. You know, there's a there's a reason why this ended up on the Filthy 15, and that is you know mostly because it's a song about a vagina. And, uh, you know, like kind of, (laughs) I don't know, Prince at the time he liked he liked kind of metaphor when it came to, you know, anything sexual. Um, But here, I don't know, like, I guess the phrase my sugar walls is interesting because I don't know that I would ever think anyone would ever refer to a vagina in that way. Um, like it just like it just doesn't seem like something that he would say, Mm. Um, you know, and we you know, the, the kind of. Uh, like the prince has like a few kind of like contrasts because he says you know like where I come from there's a place called heaven and that's the place where all the good children go and you're like okay this like this so far seems you know fairly simple the the houses are of silver the streets are of gold some nice you know nice little contrast there silver mm-hmm. gold yeah. uh, but there's more where you come from uh, my sugar walls <laughs> and that, that is literally the chorus is just the words my sugar walls um, and then Prince, like, then the song takes a turn and he says, blood races to your private spots that lets me know there's a fire. You can't fight passion when the passion is hot. Temperatures rise inside my sugar walls. So, like, Prince kind of, you know, he, he kind of slow pitches us with the first couple of verses. And then for the third verse, he just kind of gets straight into the business. Um you know, which, uh, you know, let's put it like this. Uh, he's no doctor, but, you know, blood does indeed race to private spots. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and, and you know, obviously when blood goes somewhere, things get hot. And yeah. that is how you, you know, so, he, you know, he's not he's not wrong. Um, I, I just don't know that anyone would ever use the phrase my sugar walls. At the same time, it, like Prince did this thing with a lot of songs that he wrote about sex in the 80s where he would come up with, you know, a new kind of. Uh, metaphor so that people wouldn't know what he was talking about but mm-hmm. in the end it was always like kind of very obvious what he was talking about yeah. um you know so I, I, don't know, I don't know but i think i think the kind of the next part where he says let me take you where, where you know sheena says uh let me take you somewhere you've never been i can show you things you've never seen again that's that like that could mean almost anything uh, yes. But then, of course, it takes a turn with "I can make you never want to fall in love again." Come spend the night inside my sugar walls, and uh, that's that's. Uh, I mean, as well. I love when she sings "Take Advantage." It's all right. So, like, <laughs> you know, uh, once again, I mean, you know, eighties Prince. When it came to sex, he was always about consent. Of course. And uh, you know, there she is. She's consenting. She's saying, "Come spend the night inside my sugar walls," and that is the refrain that will come back later on mm. in the song as well. Mm. Um, you know, the kind of that whole bridge of, you know, let me take you somewhere you've never been. I can show you things you've never seen. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, that I feel so alive when I'm with you. Come and feel my presence. It's raining tonight. Heaven on earth inside my sugar walls. I mean, I have to say, you know, Prince is, is basically being very kind of uh, sex positive in this song. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it's not like he's disgusted or anything by this. You know, he's he's making it clear that this is, you know, this is where people, you know, heaven on earth. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's no better description there. You know, like I feel like uh, Prince is, you know, relating his experiences, you know. And, and then we kind of get the repeat of the, you know, the, the kind of um, <laughs> the let me let me t- let me take you somewhere you've never been. But then we get this. Uh, I can tell I can tell you what you want. My sugar walls. It's impossible to hide. Your body's on fire. Admit it. Come inside my sugar walls. That's that's the, <laughs> that, that's the point at which Prince is kind of. 
He's instead of come spend a night, he's just dropped all percent pretense yeah. there, and he's like come inside my sugar walls. Yes, uh, I can kind of see why the the PMRC were like this is a very sexual song, oh, yeah. uh, and I'm sure Prince could say you know he was I don't know merely talking about some building that had walls made of sugar or something. Yeah, gingerbread that would fly. Yeah, gingerbread yeah. house. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, come spend come spend a night inside a gingerbread house. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, like I don't know. There's a lot of repetition there of my sugar walls on the longer remixes. That the kind of the repetition of my sugar walls goes. I mean, as with all kind of like dance, dan- like kind of dance remixes in the eighties, mm. there's just a really really long introduction and a really long outro, and there's just a repetition of the chorus a few more times. Mm. So there's yeah. nothing like extra, on, uh, particularly on the, the, the kind of the, the longer remixes. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Like, I I think I think in terms of like a subject, you know, it just feels very kind of like nineteen eighties Prince that he would want to sing. You know, not only would he want to have a song that is about someone's vagina, but that he would then write that for a woman to sing about her own vagina. Yes. Um, and you know, so it you know, I think it's just kind of it's chance that it ended up with Sheena Easton because obviously he was considering it for other artists before that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time he was he was never gonna sing this song himself. He was it was always written for the you know, from the point of view of a woman. Which again, you know, that's one of the reasons why Prince was, you know, such a good artist was the fact that he could put himself uh, in the mindset of a woman who just wants to tell you all about her vagina. Like, as I said, you could easily see this on, like, an Apollonia 6 or Vanity 6 album. Easy. It would sit right in there. It would have been kind of interesting doing Jill Jones doing it, but it's just, oh, some of the lyrics, man, come on. It's like, you know, it's just, oh, my God. It's just such a silly song. And as I said, you are talking about the PIMC, the one about, you know, come inside my sugar, come spend the night inside my sugar walls. You know, come inside my sugar walls. That would have been the bit when the monocle would have fallen out of their uh, out of their eye and with, oh dear lord, what is this? And then someone <laughs> there'd be there'd be a writing campaign about this particular song. It's it's just the lyrics, and the, uh, we haven't even talked about the riff. The riffs go, do 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 do, and then it's going to be stuck in my head because I've listened to it at least five times today, and that's going to be <laughs> stuck in my head for the next. Week and I assume, am I right to say that the drum machine makes an appearance? Because that's definitely not proper drums. No, yeah, I mean yeah. the fact that it was kind of Prince by himself in 1984, early 1984. It's worth saying as well. Um, I think just in the, in the middle of, um, I mean, I think this would have been the, the Christmas break where he was uh, filming uh, Purple Rain. So you know, kind of right in the middle of that, and yes, yeah, so there is the the Lynn is on there and. You know the production, like I think the production is one of the things that kind of gives away that it's Prince more than the the, the kind of like the sexual content. You know, because th- there were a lot of artists in the eighties that you know, as the Filthy Fifteen kind of you know showed, there were a lot of different artists that were kind of pushing boundaries in that way. Anyway, yeah. but it's the production that kind of makes it stand out as definitely being a Prince song. Yeah. Um, and that you know, like kind of it, it just like if Prince then just start like if, as the intro starts, if Prince just started singing, it would just make sense. It is very much that kind of Minneapolis sound. Yeah. Um, you know, and and uh, you know, it's a, it's a really well produced song. I I just like the idea as well of Prince like singing. Um, Sheena Easton like on TV and being like oh I'll have her sing this <laughs> yeah yeah, and just kind of like and just like se- sending it over to her and being like sing sing you know sing on this now and like yeah. j- the, kind of like the power that Prince had at the time of being like I mean well I mean not quite at the time because obviously Purple Rain hadn't come out yet but Prince yeah. was still relatively successful but I just like the idea of him kind of just calling someone up and being like can you sing on this song right now and her just coming over and being like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess I'll sing on it. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, 
I, I think I think the song only works as well if it is sung by a woman. Like if you if mm. if there is like a you know, if someone is singing this from like the male point of view, I don't I like the song just becomes like really kind of weird and creepy. Yeah. But the the fact that um you know the fact that the it's it's being sung by a woman and from the woman's perspective, I think is the thing that really kind of like uh, is kind of one of the best things about the song and really kind of sells it. Yeah, because said yeah, I can't, I couldn't see Prince doing this at all. I could definitely could not see the. Let's let's use another Prince um, kind of band, associated band. I could not see the time doing this song, for instance. Hearing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Morris Day singing about Sugar Wars would be, it'd be kind of fun to listen to, but I don't think it'd work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mean, for me, I would say um, I don't know. I mean, for some of these bonus episodes, I don't feel I can go higher than like a four out of five. And I just think because like it's still like Prince is still as an artist developing in the in the early eighties, so you know it's like I don't know. I think the the repetition like it, it kind of goes back to the to some of the kind of the, the verses and choruses just a little bit too much for me. Like I, I feel like the song could probably be just a tiny bit shorter, and it like you know four minutes doesn't seem particularly long, um, but it's one of those things where it feels like Prince has kind of run out of ideas about two minutes in. And so if this was like maybe a three minute pop song, it would be perfect. But mm. at four minutes for me, it just feels like it goes on just a tiny bit too long. Um, but, you know, that's that's just, you know, that's just personal taste. You know, I, I love Sheena's voice, um, you know, and of course, I, you know, I love the whatever she's wearing in the video. I like, it, you know, it's a it's a it's a great video. It's, it's one of those things where it just reminds me of my childhood because it's like I knew so many women who would dress like that. So. Yeah, it was fashionable. That belt thing, like I would, I would would have seen girls at school wearing that exact kind of dra- a, a, a belt. It was just a belt that just kind of hung there, and that was just the. It was just there for looks. So I don't know. For me, I'm gonna say like a three and a half. It's not a bad song. The lyrics are silly, which is kind of Prince being silly, which is good. But it's just I don't know. It's just a bit light for me. I don't know why. Like the riff is great, and I'm kind of it will be sticking in my head for the next couple of days. But I just yeah, I can't get more than three and a half. Sorry. Sheena Easton basically played this song all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it became like a staple of her her tours. You know, it's on so many tons of like greatest hit stuff. Um, you know, so it's you know it's still a song that is kind of um, you know part of her repertoire now. Uh, even though you know since this point she's recorded like another ten or eleven kind of albums. Mm. Um, you know, so. But yeah, like I, I don't know, like it's just one of those songs that is kind of. I, I feel like today nobody would even notice it because it like there is so much more kind of like explicit stuff around mm-hmm. that people really wouldn't care about someone going to the trouble of not saying the word vagina. Yes. Um. You know. So I feel so. It's so it's kind of weird to kind of think about this song in kind of like a more like kind of modern context. But yeah, in 1984, this was this was considered shocking. Oh yeah. Um. So you know. Um. I feel like we said about as much as we can about Sugar Walls. Um, so let's go to plugs. Is there anything you wish to plug, Victor? Uh, there's nothing for me to plug, Darren. And you can find us on Facebook at Prince Track by Track or on Twitter at Prince Podcast. Or you could email us. Not sure why you would, unless, of course, you are Sheena Easton. By all means, do email um, <laughs> at Prince Track by Track at gmail.com. Thanks once more for being my guest here, Victor. Uh, thanks, Darren. And otherwise, goodbye. <laughs>